thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Hallelujah, that through his death he purchased life, that through his sacrifice of blood on Calvary, that we are washed, we are cleansed, we are justified. Come on, as Paul said, there's all sorts of mess in this world, and such were some of us, but we have been justified by the blood of the Lamb. Somebody lift up your hands. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Let's say thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody shout. Are you grateful? Are you thankful? He didn't have to do it, but I'm thankful. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 It is so good to be in the house of the Lord, to feel the presence of God that we feel. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school kids and their teachers. Everybody say, God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless their teachers. For everyone else, we're going to turn open to the book of Mark, chapter number 9 and beginning of verse number 2. Amen. Man, it just feels so much better to have the whole music team back together again. Hallelujah. It feels like a, a reunion. Amen. I love it. I love the feeling. In Jesus' name people that play skillfully unto the Lord. I talked talk about it a little bit on Sunday, but man, when Saul was possessed of the devil, and the devil's afflicting him, he said, bring me a skilled musician. Amen. I believe anointed musicians can drive the devil out of somebody's life. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Mark chapter 9 and verse number 2. The word of the Lord declares, and after six days... Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment, his clothing, became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. I love this. This, this is where I, me and Peter connect real good. He wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. Amen. He just thought, well, I might as well say something because I don't know what to say. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. He didn't say hear them. Hear him. And suddenly, when they were looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. Everybody say Jesus only. If you're wondering what kind of church you're in, you're in a Jesus only church. Amen. And I, I promise I'll come back to that verse at another time. Amen. Talk about Jesus only. But, amen, skipping back up, the Bible says his garments were, were transfigured as well as Jesus being transfigured, and it shone, shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. You got this magical, powerful, anointed moment 
where Jesus is up there. You've got the voice of God speaking from heaven. You've got Moses and Elijah back from the dead. And in the middle of all of this, you've got an infomercial for Clorox. You've got an infomercial for Shout, for Gain, the Western family, whatever you use. Hallelujah. Amen. No fuller on earth can wipe them. And when it was all said and done, they got this image of Jesus only. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject, the fuller, the fuller. Would you set down your Bibles and let's lift up our hands with our hearts and let's pray that God would speak to us. I believe the Lord is already in this building. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for all your benefits as we talked about on Wednesday, God, your blessings and your benefits. God, just one of those benefits, amen, is that we get to come together, that we get to feel your presence. But God, I pray, Lord, help me to talk about another one of these benefits here today, God, as we delve into this scripture. I pray, God, that you'd anoint us to hear and to receive everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a few moments. Amen. The fuller. The Bible likes to talk about clothes. For all the ladies, you ought to shout on that one. In fact, the beginning of the Bible talks about how mankind was created without clothes. God loved clothing so much that the Bible says he clothed the earth. And when mankind failed in the garden, the Bible says they tried to cover themselves to make their own clothes. They tried to cover up their, 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 their nakedness with fig leaves. But the Bible declares that God thought it just would not do for them to try to cover themselves and clothe themselves with fig leaves and so the Bible declares God killed an animal, being the first sacrifice, setting the precedent that for man's sin there must be sacrifice. But he did not just kill the animal. The Bible says he took the skins and he clothed them. In the book of Exodus, God gave commandments concerning the priest's clothing. There was a certain attire that the priesthood had to wear in order to be acceptable reflection of the God that they served. One of the garments that the priest would wear was called the ephod. This was a garment that had intricate designs and patterns upon it. There was a breastplate on it that held the names of the 12 tribes of Israel around the borders of his garment. The Bible is specific. There was to be gold pomegranates and bells. God was so specific that the Bible records that there had to be a pomegranate in between each of the bells. God cared about how mankind was going to be clothed. But God did not want these bells running into other bells. They had to be a bell in the temple. They had to be a bell that ran into a pomegranate when they came into the temple. There had to be this buffer, if you will, a symbolizing of the fruit. Amen. Can I just say this on the outset, that what we are seeing on the priest is an Old Testament type and shadow of you and I that have been called to be both priests and kings in the kingdom. Hallelujah. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood. 
And there were supposed to be pomegranates and bells. There was never to be bell after bell after bell. It had to be, amen, nor was it to be fruit after fruit after fruit. It had to be pomegranate, then bell, pomegranate, then bell, pomegranate, then bell. I'll help you understand what that means from a New Testament context. There are nine fruits of the Spirit, and there are nine gifts of the Spirit as recorded in the Scriptures. And God doesn't want his church to be ill-adorned when they come to the house of the Lord. It's not enough just to have talent and have ability where we are nothing, as Paul said, as tinkling cymbals or a sounding brass, where we are nothing more than bell after bell after bell. We've got to have some love in there. We've got to have some joy in there. We've got to have some peace in there. We've got to have some long-suffering in there. Somebody ought to give him praise. But on the flip side, we can't just be loving. We can't just be nice, joyful people. Somebody somewhere has got to lift up their hands and say, Lord, if you can use anybody, you can use me. If you want to gift anybody with the Spirit, you can gift me. God, if you want to walk in the temple and have that bell sound, you can have my bell sound. Hallelujah. Man, it's an Old Testament Amen. Symbol, symbol and typology that we are to be gifted and fruitful. Man, I know people that are gifted but don't like people very much, aren't very nice. Amen. I know people are real nice but they ain't got no gifts going to them. You got to pray for both. Amen. God was, what am I saying? God was specific about how they were clothed. You think God didn't care about details? He does care about details. Amen. God cares about how we clothe ourselves both physically and spiritually. Don't worry, I'm, I'm going into the spiritual today, but I'm just going to talk about it. Amen. God was not okay with fig leaves that only covered a small portion of the body and yet failed to cover the soul. God is not interested in us just trying to do uh, mankind's best of covering up, and yet we fail to cover the parts that matter the most. Amen. We've got to be able to let God cover our hearts. Uh, amen. The Bible says he covered them all the way with the animal's skin because there is a big difference between being covered by fig leaves and being clothed by sacrifice. Can I also tell you here today that there's also a big difference between being clothed with God's righteousness and being concealed by our own righteousness, or as we call it, self-righteousness. You see, our righteousness is not dependent upon, neither can it be judged against the righteousness of others. Our righteousness must be judged properly. It must be judged against the constant standard, and that standard is the unchangeable, holy God. Amen. If we judge ourselves, amen, amongst ourselves, the Bible says we are not wise. If we judge ourselves amongst other people, we are not wise. If we judge our righteousness against the drug dealer down the street, we might think, man, I'm pretty righteous. I'm pretty clean. I'm pretty covered. This is known as self-righteousness. And it causes us to look at the outward flaws of others to try to justify and mask the flaws inside of ourselves. But it all changes for everyone in this room, from the visitor to the pastor behind the pulpit. If we compare our righteousness to the unchangeable, eternal, holy God of the Bible, 
The Bible declares in Romans uh, that all of our righteousness, when we compare it to God's righteousness, is nothing more than filthy, dirty rags. Uh, amen. This is why you cannot be saved uh, by your own righteousness. Uh, this is why we can't clothe ourselves in fig leaves uh, and say it's good enough. Uh, we can't just act more holy. Uh, we can't just look a little more holy. Uh, we've got to let God clothe us uh, with his righteousness. Man, if we're not careful, we will just become a little better religious people. Amen. We'll just get a little bit, uh, we'll just come up a little bit in life and say, well, now I've got X, Y, or Z together, so therefore I'm now a good person. But the scripture never declares you're a good person based on what you do or do not have. Amen. Our goodness and our righteousness, the Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. If you think you're in a category of your own that says, no, I'm good, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Uh, amen. From the pastor up here that tries his best uh, to be his best. Uh, on my best day, amen, the Bible says that my best is still not good enough. Uh, that good is not good enough. Uh, but the gospel literally means good news. What's good news, uh, amen, when you think that I'm not good enough? I'll tell you what good news is, uh, that there was somebody that walked this earth that was good enough. There's a God that entered this terra firma that is good enough. There's a Savior that came off his throne, amen, in heaven to die for the likes of you and I that is good enough. Amen, the bad news is we're not good enough on our own, but the good news is, is Jesus is more than good. He's better than good. He's when you think about Jesus, you can see the holiness. You can see the righteousness. And he says it's available to you. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise today. Amen. This is why we need Jesus Christ to impute or to, amen, transfer his righteousness onto us. Because we cannot be condemned against the righteousness of God if we ourselves possess the righteousness of God. Amen. Let me help break, break that down. Amen. When, God, when Adam and Eve were clothed with fig leaves, they still declared to God, we're naked. We've not covered ourselves right. But when God covered them, he killed the animal. And I have no doubt he took those bloody coats and he put it on them. Amen. And he, he let them know that now when he looks down from heaven, he doesn't see you as you see you. He doesn't see you as what your sin has done to you. But when God looks down, all he sees is a bloody sacrifice. I came to preach a man a little theology to somebody. When you are when you repent of your sins and you are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, amen, whatever you were before, the Bible says it's passed away. And it doesn't matter how much judgment was coming your way, how much hell you deserved. When God looks down from his throne, amen, he doesn't see you anymore. All he sees is Jesus Christ's blood being shed upon an old rugged cross on Calvary. When he sees you, that's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, you got to put on your Christ coat. you got... 
you got to put on the Christ garment that says, I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been set free, not by anything that I could do, not by works or by my own righteousness, but by the blood of the Lamb. And when God looks down, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. When he looks down from heaven, he doesn't see my sin. He sees the sacrifice. Oh, somebody, I'll lift up your hands and give God praise here today. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody got to give God praise. Are you thankful for the sacrifice on Calvary? Are you thankful for the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah. In Jesus' day, there was a group that possessed self-righteousness. They were called the Pharisees. They were clothed in long flowing robes. They looked down their pointed noses at hurting and broken people around them. They held the law to the letter, but they missed out on their Messiah. There's one occasion where the Pharisees saw Jesus' disciples eating their food without first washing their hands. Everybody said gross. I, I would be with the Pharisees on this one. Amen. But they weren't doing it just to be, uh, you know, Purell and uh, all of these Germex. They weren't trying to be selling any of that business. They were doing it to say, your people didn't wash. They didn't do the ritual washing before they ate. They're now sinners. They're unclean. And th what were they doing? They had instituted a new way through their own way of saying we are better than everybody else. That was their way of judging whether or not they were good or whether or not they were bad. They had made it up in their mind uh, that if we can wash ourselves and others can see us wash ourselves, uh, that we will declare to them we are clean and you are filthy. We are good and you are bad. The only problem was every time they washed themselves, uh, they would end up getting dirty again. Nobody in the Pharisees group wanted to talk about that. Uh, amen. It's the same way with you and I. Amen. When we wash ourselves somehow, some way, uh, we always miss some of the dirt. Uh, there's always, uh, amen, a stain or two that you can't quite get out of your garment no matter how hard you try. Uh, there's some things you can't overcome by yourself uh, no matter how good you are in your own right. Uh, the Pharisees thought, I could wash myself, uh, but no doubt there came times uh, where they they realize uh, no matter how much I try, uh, amen, I keep getting dirty. Uh, there's people in the house of the Lord uh, that you tried and you tried uh, to be as good as you can be. Uh, amen. And religion says try harder, uh, try harder, uh, try harder. Uh, but the gospel says uh, you let Jesus do the work. Uh, the gospel says uh, you are seated together in Jesus Christ uh, in heavenly places. Uh, you are seated with him. After he accomplished Calvary, he sat down on the right hand of the power of God. And now the Bible says we are seated together with him. What are you doing when you make a mistake? I go and sit down with Jesus, and he makes it all right. What do you do when you fall back into sin? I sit down with Jesus, and he makes it. Somebody ought to give him praise. If you messed up this week, if you messed up this month, you need to find yourself a seat back at Jesus' throne. Man, you see, the Pharisees were not all wrong in their theology of washing. Not only did the priests in the Old Testament have to wear specific garments, these garments were not allowed to be dirty. They had to be clean garments. In fact, it's interesting to me that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the righteousness of the saints is fine white linen without spot or wrinkle. And in the Old Testament, it's the same. They had fine white linen. 
In fact, in the, in the New Testament, it talks about that, the bride of Christ having fine white linen. There to be without spot and wrinkle. Hey, anybody ever own linen? We've got some linen folk in the house of the Lord. You, you know, linen wrinkles just because it likes it. How do you keep linen from wrinkling? You've got to iron it out, and then you sit down, and it's wrinkled again. And yet the Bible declares that we are to be without spot or without wrinkle. You ever got a stain on something like that? Amen. God cares so much about us being clean, and I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually, that if you're going uh, to be part of the body of Christ, your soul has got to be unspotted from the world. How do you walk through such a filthy world and stay clean? I can't help but think how impossible it must have been for the Old Testament priests to stay clean when they had a dirty job. God, amen, just think about it for a moment. These were not just people that stood up in an ivory tower and hung out in their fine white linen to act like the Pharisees of the New Testament. These were guys that when they went into the tabernacle, when they went into the temple, they wore their fine white linen, and what were they doing? Their job was to wrangle the animals. That's not a very clean job. Their job was ultimately not to be gruesome, but their job was to butcher animals for sacrifice. That meant that when the priest went into the tabernacle, he had on fine white linen. I have no doubt it was without spot. It was out without wrinkle. But when he left, uh, amen, after he butchered the sacrifice, uh, he was covered by the blood of the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what that's like? That's like you and I when we come to church in our Sunday best. And we've done all we can. We prayed this week. We've done the best that we could. But the best that we could was still not good enough. But by the time we leave this altar, we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Because when you encounter, uh, amen, the Lamb of God, uh, when you're a priest that encounters the Lamb of God, it doesn't matter how much you got a white garment, that blood's going to get on you. Uh, amen, it doesn't matter what you try to do, uh, that blood's going to get on you. Uh, you come to church, uh, I dare you to come to the house of the Lord and not get the blood of the Lamb on you. Uh, I dare you to come to the tabernacle and not get the blood of the Lamb upon you. Uh, I come to preach to somebody, uh, the blood of the Lamb uh, is more powerful, the blood of the Lamb, it stains you the right way, uh, the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And yet these priests would leave covered in the blood of the Lamb, and they had to take those garments, and they had to find a way to get them clean. Can I preach to somebody about a dirtier job than the priest? Hallelujah. It was the job of the fuller to clean the priest's garments. Fulling is a process which involves the cleansing of cloth to eliminate oils, dirt, and other impurities. Originally, folding was carried out by pounding the cloth with the fuller's feet, hands, or a club. These processes are followed by stretching the cloth out on great frames known as tenters. Uh, soaking the fabric made it softer. In fact, folding is known as one of the the dirtiest and worst jobs in human history. I won't give you all the details. I'll let you Google it later. But they took this fabric and they soaked it and they shrank it so it would close up the holes and it would help the garment get a little thicker. And so nothing, now it was just coming together. This solution in which the loosely woven cloth was soaked needed to be alkaline in order to break down the grease. And the cheapest form of alkaline was urine. I'm the only preacher to ever tell you about that. In Roman times, amen, it was, folding was conducted by slaves working the cloth while ankle deep in fuller's soap. Hallelujah. I'll just call it that for now. 
Fuller's soap, as they came to call it, was so important in the fulling business that the Roman, the Roman government even taxed it. Leave it to the government to tax something like that. This wash was the source of ammonium salts that assisted in the cleansing and whitening of the cloth. The fuller had to obtain gallons of this wash from neighboring farms and private houses and then had to take seven to eight hours trotting in place to just produce one piece of finished cloth. The fuller's job was definitely one of the grossest and worst jobs of all time. It was the fuller's job to take these bloody garments from the priest and somehow find a way to get all of the stains out. It didn't matter if it came from the animal or from the animal's blood. They had to take it because before the priest could ever come back into the presence of God, it had to be clean. It had to be whitened. It had to be washed or the priest would be eliminated by God. Amen. It was the fuller's job to make sure these garments were clean. The Bible talks about the fuller in three different areas. Isaiah 7 and 3 in the RSV talks about a location in the Bible called the fuller's Field. Malachi chapter 3, 1 through 3, uh, the returning Messiah, amen, is going to be, the Bible says, like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. Uh, the fuller is the guy that takes the filthy and dirty garment uh, and washes it so it can be white, it can be clean, and it can be used again. So when God says that the Messiah is coming with fuller soap, he's not saying Jesus is going to make you wash your hands. But what it's saying is until you get Jesus involved in your life, you are filthy, you are disgusting. But the moment you let the Messiah wash you, the moment you let the Messiah clean you, it doesn't matter what was wrong with you. It doesn't matter what was dirty about you. When you let the heavenly fuller come by and wash you, he washes you whiter than snow. He takes out every stain. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise here today. Come on, I think we ought to give God praise for every stain he ever removed, for every filthy thought he ever removed, for everything that's dirty in our heart he ever removed. God made a way for you to stand in the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords and to come boldly to the throne of grace. Man, the Pharisees, they portrayed this great view of righteousness, but they could not go there a single day without feeling filthy. So what are you getting at, Pastor? I'm trying to make sure we understand today that we are incapable of saving ourselves. We are incapable of washing ourselves. We are incapable of covering ourselves. But I've come to tell you some good news today. There's enough power in the name of Jesus Christ to save every single one of us. There's enough power in the heavenly fuller's soap called the blood of Jesus that'll touch you one time and make you feel clean for the rest of eternity. There's enough power in repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost to get you from terra firma all the way to the celestial heaven. There's enough power in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to cover you all the way 
until you get to heaven. All you need to do is let Jesus wash you. All you need to do is let the heavenly fuller scrub you down and wash you in the blood of the Lamb. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Oh, somebody ought to give him praise. Come on. Jesus will wash you better than any fuller on earth, better than you can wash you, better than religion can wash you, better than just being a little better and trying harder can wash you. He'll wash you better than any fuller on earth can whiten. Jesus will get you cleaner than Clorox bleach. It'll get you better than shout. Although I might as well just preach their slogan. If you got a stain, you got to shout it out. Hey, hallelujah. You got a stain, you need to shout out to God as blind Bartimaeus and say, Lord, I'm blind. I don't want to be blind anymore. And they tried to shut him out. But the more he shut up, the more they told him to shut up, the louder he started shouting. And the Bible says Jesus came by and healed the man. When you realize how dirty you are, when you real I'm not trying to make somebody feel bad. I'm trying to give you good news. When you realize I've tried and I've tried and I can't do it, it gives you a reason to shout out to the Heavenly Father, the Heavenly Father, and say, Lord, I couldn't do it, but you could. I couldn't do it, but you can do it. I can't clean me, but you can clean me. I can't get better, but you can help me. Come on. For everyone that's trying to get a better habit, you need to let Jesus wash you. For everybody that's trying to kick a bad habit, you need to let Jesus cleanse you. For everybody that needs to get better, you need Jesus. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm just about done. Somebody ought to give God praise. Has he washed you? Somebody shout yes. Has he cleansed you? Has he made you whole? Has he healed your body? Has he saved your soul? Somebody ought to give him praise. Somebody, somebody got a wise crack and they said, well, if the blood of Jesus, they said this, they said the blood of Jesus has no power. They got up, there's people, rock star singers got up saying Jesus is dead. Last I checked, he's alive. Rose in victory, he's alive. Somebody once said the blood of Jesus has no, has no power. Because if Jesus' blood had power, the world would have gotten better over the last 2,000 years. But they noted, and they're right, the world hasn't gotten any better. It's only gotten worse. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. That's like working in the soap factory. You're working for bleach. You're working for Clorox. You're working for Purell. You're working for Germax. You're working for whoever you want to work for. You're working in the Dove factory uh, making soap uh, all day long. Uh, you can be the CEO of Dove. Uh, amen. Soap, uh, amen, goes all around the world. Everybody knows what soap is. Uh, you can have soap in every bathroom. Uh, you can have soap in every shower. Uh, you can have soap in every bathtub. Uh, but it does not work uh, if you don't apply the soap. You can work in the grocery store. You can stock the soap aisle. You can work in the soap aisle. You can be a retailer for soap. But if you never apply the soap to your own body, doesn't matter how much you think about soap. How 
Can I preach to somebody? Our world's answer is not, amen, for people to talk about it. Our answer for people is to apply it. Our answer for people, amen, can I preach to somebody? you got to apply the blood of Jesus if you... You can't think about baptism. You can't talk about baptism. Somewhere along the lines, you got to get down in the water and let him wash you. You can't just think about repentance. Talk about repentance. Cry about repentance. Somewhere, you got to lift up your hands and repent. Somebody ought to give him praise. How do we, how do we wash our souls Leviticus 17, 11 says this, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, and almost all things of the law are purged without, with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Jesus right there at the first communion, at the last supper, as he broke bread and took wine, he looked at his disciples and said this is my blood of the New Testament which is said shed for many for the remission of sins can I preach to somebody it's the blood of Jesus that washes all your sins away it's the blood of Jesus that is this heavenly fuller soap Luke 24 and 47, he told them to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And this is what he said, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name in all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 10 and 43, to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believeth in him shall have remission of sins. What am I preaching to you uh, that if you don't repent, uh, you'll likewise perish. Uh, that if you're not baptized, uh, you've never applied the blood uh, that washes all your sins away. Somebody ought to give him praise. Remission is the washing away. It is the it is the uh, uh, the, the attachment of the full the heavenly fuller soap uh, that washes every stain, uh, that washes every spot, uh, that removes every wrinkle. Uh, when you go down in the name of Jesus, uh, when we're baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, it cleanses us. Uh, it washes us. Uh, can I preach to somebody uh, that you need the blood of Jesus Christ uh, applied to your life? Somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Come on, let's pray all across this building. In fact, let's stand all across this house. And let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. Come on, the Messiah is coming. But he's got a soap that's better than anything on earth can do. No drug can do this for you. No self-help program can do this for you. You need the blood of Jesus. I'm not just talking to people that have not been baptized. I'm talking to saints. Saints that have made a mistake this week. You know... When you make a mistake, it's like getting a stain on your garment. It's like getting a stain on your shoes. 
Anybody ever own some white shoes? Get some new kicks, you know what I'm saying? Sister Keeley's got her white shoes right there. Hallelujah. You know, when you first get those white shoes, I'll never forget. A man in the church, he realized my shoes had holes in them. So he took me to the mall. He said, I'll buy you whatever shoes you want. So I went to the, went to the mall with him. He, and, I, you know, I, just, I was a teenager. I said, man, give me those white ones right there. Bright, I mean bright white. You just, about as white as me. So I glow in the dark. I'm a luminescent Christian. Hallelujah. I am the light of the world. No, I'm kidding. So I went to that, and I thought, man, brother, oh, what carefulness. My, my, my shoe folk that love shoes, you know what I'm saying? I, you go everywhere, you just tippy-toeing. Everywhere you go, you don't want to get a crease in those things. I know y'all acting all holy, but I know you got shoes at home, ladies, some gentlemen. Hallelujah. And, and I remember everywhere I went, oh, that's a puddle. Oh, what carefulness. Oh, man. Whew. And I went. Some would be shouting right next to me. I didn't wear any church clothes at the time. And they'd start dancing. I kind of moved back from their black shoes. I want to keep these things as nice as I could for as long as I could. But inevitably, no matter how hard I tried, Brother Jonathan, my kicks got dirty. And, you know, I stopped walking on my tiptoes. And I figured they're already dirty. I might as well crease them too. You know, well, there's, you know, I'm just not going to go around that mud puddle. I just, I'll just go through them. My white shoes became black shoes. Versatile. Hallelujah. And, you know, I, I remember that, that when I bought those shoes, the man that, helped me, that bought those shoes for me was smart enough to buy me the stuff to clean the shoes, too. Because he knew you bought white shoes. That was a dumb idea for all those that want to get white shoes all the time. Hallelujah. And I went. I thought, you know what? I'm going to take this cleaner and see what I can do to them. And I took it. I buffed it out as best I could. Man, those things almost look new. As best as I could do, right? And when I put on those shoes, I started tiptoeing again. You know, when you make a mistake, it's easier to make more mistakes. I'm just being real here today. It's like I already messed up. Why, why keep trying? So your garment gets a stain. Your soul gets a stain. You do something you, you're not proud of. And you watch something you're not proud of. You go somewhere you're not proud of. You hang out with people you're not proud of. You do things amen, that, 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 just, that you know it stained you. It becomes easier and easier and easier and easier to do it. Start, start doing things other than what God would have you to do. There's nothing more beautiful than coming to the house of the Lord and letting God touch you again. But he's better than Clorox. He's better than anything that you got. Better than any cleaner. Because he doesn't just make you a little bit better. He doesn't just make you a bit where you can slightly see the stain. When Jesus washes you, the Bible says in Jeremiah, Come, let us reason together. Although your sins be as scarlet, when I get done with you, you'll be whiter than snow. That's what Jesus can do. And the Bible says, oh, what carefulness is wrought in you after you, re after you repent. Oh, what cleansing. We go back to our text. As soon as Peter saw Jesus transfigured before him, he saw Moses and Elijah. Peter didn't know what to say, so he probably shouldn't have said anything, but he said, let's build three tabernacles. 
as if to say that what I'm seeing right now, this, this, this perfectly white, blinding transfiguration of Jesus, it's got to have something to do with both Moses and Elijah. And if you don't know what that means, that's the law and the prophets. That's the Old Testament right there. That's the works of man. He thought, okay, so to get as clean as Jesus, I need, I need Moses, I need Elijah, and I need Jesus. Let's build three altars. But then all of a sudden, the voice of the Lord spoke from heaven. And Peter ducked, closed his eyes. And the Bible says that when he looked up, he saw Jesus only. What was God doing in that moment? He was letting Peter know that the only one that can cleanse you is not another work of man. It's not another religious system. It's not the law. It's not the prophets. The only one that can make you as clean as Jesus is looking right now. The only one that can wash your garments whiter than snow is when you look at the man that's standing before you right now. Jesus only. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Pastor, what are you saying? From the pulpit to the pew, we need the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our life. Jesus stood there white glistening, so is no fuller on earth. This is nothing that you can do. Nothing somebody else on earth can do. You need Jesus and Jesus only. You don't need Jesus and something else on the side. You don't need Jesus and a boyfriend. You don't need Jesus and a girlfriend. You don't need Jesus and, a, and, a, and something to make you feel better about yourself. You don't need Jesus and a pill. You don't need Jesus and a program. You need Jesus only. It's the only thing. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. We're going to sing here in a moment. Come on. Come on, the law and the prophets couldn't do it. Buddha can't do it. Muhammad can't do it. Allah can't do it. Scientology can't do it. Denominations can't do it. Church membership can't do it. Good singing can't do it. Great programs can't do it. A hundred Hail Marys can't do it. Pedigree can't do it. Money can't do it. But Jesus can do it. What can wash away my sins? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, everybody say and, thank God for that word, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, Pastor, you don't know where I was. You don't know what I did. You're right, I don't, and thank God for it. But Jesus cleanses you from all. But you've got to bring your garment to Jesus and say, Lord, I've tried to clean it. I, I put Clorox on this. I, I put religiosity on this. I, 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 put, I, put a, I put a good smile on this. Everybody thought that I was good, and everybody thought I was doing all right. And I tried my best to appear like I had it all together. But, Lord, it's not working. And you take your garment to the heavenly dry cleaner. Say, Lord, here's my soul. Can you wash it again in the blood? I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Amen. We're going to sing about the blood of Jesus right now. We're going to sing about the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Wherever you are, no matter what you've done, it only takes the application of the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from all. Come on. Nothing on earth can do it. 
The law and the prophets couldn't do it. Religiosity couldn't do it. But Jesus only could do it. Come on. Amen. And such were some of us. But we are washed. We are cleansed. We are justified by the blood of Jesus. Jesus took those ordinances that were against us and he nailed them to his cross. Every wrong you ever did, every stain you ever got, every mistake you ever made, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his bloody cross. And he washed you with the remission of sins. Come on as they sing in the name of Jesus. Can wash away my sins. Come on, all across this house. I know it's simple today, but it's the gospel. It's the gospel. Coming to church is not enough. Joining the membership is not enough. You need the blood. Whiter than snow. Come on, it's just another benefit of Calvary. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Come on, there's a cleansing right now. No matter what you've done, Calvary is available to you. But the blood of Jesus. One can wash. Come on. All across this building, nothing exempts you from the blood. Nothing exempts you from the blood. No mistake, no failure. Come on. Can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the Somebody pray all across this house. Somebody pray across this house. Come on, I plead the blood. I plead the blood over your past. I plead the blood over your mind. I plead the blood over your mistakes. I plead the blood. My part in this, I plead nothing but the blood. 
for sin at all, nothing but the blood of Jesus, not of good that I Come on, somebody lift up your hands and sing that. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white Come on, it'll cleanse all of you. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet to the inside of man. this building oh. 